0: friends, welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm grateful and honored you've chosen to tune in today. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. Today's episode is brought to you by JoyMail. It's the monthly newsletter that I release that's full of resources that deliver a little joy and some practical action steps into your inbox. To sign up you just have to head to rachelgilbert.com that's spelled r-a-c-h-a-e-l-g-i-l-v-e-r-t.com click the start here tab and then you can sign up for the newsletter there today's episode is a special topic that i pray you'll listen to with an open heart and mind we actually recorded this episode back in january of 2020 before the pandemic hit and before the racial injustices in our country happened and brought a topic to light that has been buried. This was the first time I had interviewed two guests at once, and we had some technical issues, which is why this episode is just being released. But thankfully, my awesome show producer, she was able to salvage the audio. And I'm so grateful because this conversation that I had with Bree and Tasha was powerful, and I want all of you to hear it. So let me go ahead and introduce you to today's two guests. First up is Latasha Morrison. She's a best-selling and award-winning author, bridge builder, reconciler, and a compelling voice in the fight for racial justice. In 2016, she founded Be the Bridge to create brave spaces online and offline for diverse groups to discuss and learn more about race. Today, more than a thousand Be the Bridge groups meet across the country to duplicate these conversations and join the hard work of racial justice and restoration. Her groundbreaking book, Be the Bridge, is available now. The second guest on today's show is Brianna Stensrud. She's a human dignity advocate and the director of Welcome. Her passion is to equip the church to engage more consistently and tangibly in holistic human dignity issues. Throughout her work in the pro-life movement, Brianna continually faced questions from those concerned about immigrants and refugees. Understanding that many concerns were rooted in fear and misinformation, she started a journey to rediscover God's heart for the sojourner. These were two of the ladies who were in the Who is Welcome Here documentary, and that is what spurred on our conversation in today's episode. So let me go ahead and introduce you to Brie and Tasha. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I am thrilled to be sitting here with not one, but two guests today, which is not something I get to do very often. And it's really fun when I get to. So, welcome to the show, Brie and Latasha.
1: Hey. Hello.
0: Yeah, so we've got Great to
1: be here.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that you guys are here. We have a lot to breeze through, but in the beginning, I always do something kind of fun. I read in the intro your professional, beautiful bio. But what is one quick thing about each of you that we may not have read in your bio?
1: Natasha, you got to
2: go first on that
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think this one is in my bio that in my one of the things people would not know about me is i love cheesy movies
0: Ooh, what's your favorite cheesy movie
1: everything that's like on hallmark
2: (laughs) okay that is not in my bio either but i i like the hallmark movies it's a sad (laughs) confession but it's true me too (laughs) it's like christmas when they're all pathetic
0: Yeah. And I have, yeah. I have two daughters who I've gotten a, them into it with me as well. My husband's just like, seriously, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, no. this is happening. This is happening. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Bree, it is that it's yours too? Or is that, is that your claim? I'm going to stick with that one. Cause it sounds, it, it makes me feel like I'm not alone. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I
0: think a lot of (laughs) listeners were like,
2: yes, we're not alone. People admitting it out loud on air. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man.
0: Yeah. Okay. So moving on with our lives, we all just got to do a documentary that is called who is welcome here. And it was a journey, right? So if one of you like to just kind of go into briefly what that documentary was.
2: Latasha, you want to take that or you want me to?
1: You, You go ahead and take that while you're good. Okay, you lay the good foundation, and I
2: sounds good. All right, so the "Who Is Welcome Here" documentary is a story that follows three evangelical women who go across the border to meet their neighbors, and really go past the headlines to understand how our immigration policies and the narrative that is happening in the U.S. how that's really actually affecting everyday lives and families who are quite close to us, but simply just right across the border. And so the three of us women were asked to go and just meet with migrant families and understand their stories and, and, and meet them and see how we might be able to help the evangelical community really engage with this issue from a, a, a personal sense, not a political sense, but really following up on, okay, what is the humanity in this that we need to recognize And uh, how do we need to engage in a Christ-like way? Anything you would add to that, Latasha?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's different uh, when, you know, when you're not in proximity with people, uh, but when we get up close and personal, that's where we're able to exercise the the muscle, the empathy muscle. And I think this is what this documentary did. I was, you know, you're hearing a lot of stuff on TV, you're seeing a lot of stuff, you're reading a lot of stuff. But none of that, none of those things tell the story of the humanity and and the human that is attached to the crisis. And I think it's important for us to look beyond what is being said and see people. And that's what we did when we went to Oaxaca.
0: I love that. You looked beyond what was being said and see people. Isn't that true that if we can put a face to a crisis or a situation, it just shifts our perspective? So I'm curious if either of you had any big fears or anything else you were afraid to see your experience?
2: I, well, personally, I I knew this wasn't going to be a feel-good trip. And I even say that in the film is I I realize this is not going to be a feel-good trip where we're all going to go down and just have a fun time together as ladies. I knew that we were going to be walking into some really hard situations and hearing some really heartbreaking stories. I think what I didn't realize was, and I think the thing that grieved me the most, was how much we are missing this Mm. issue. Mm. And I was really, I was grieved for the fact that we were so, as people of God, that we were really... Baited by a lot of news headlines, that we were really uh, kind of co-opted by our political affiliations. And that really blinded us to see, as Latasha said, the humanity of this issue. And I was just deeply, deeply aching for the fact that we were missing this issue on such a massive scale. And there were people who were so close to us that are made in the image of God and they were suffering so deeply and yet we have been unable to see it and we were we've been so lacking in compassion and care for the issue and it almost seemed written off like it was really just a political issue but it's a biblical issue and these people are made in the image of God and it just grieved me I I so I was I was aware it was going to be a hard trip I just didn't realize it was going to hit me like a semi-truck
1: right, you know, in my face. Natasha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I, I wasn't, I didn't have any fear. There was no fear because this was something that I wanted to do. And I really wanted to hear, to see what was happening for myself. You know, um, especially being an African-American, I know how narratives and, you know, especially when you start getting into racial narratives can really blind, create blind spots for people. I wanted to see myself. And plus, I've been working at a church. I was on staff at a church in Texas. And so our church had a church that was connected with us that was predominantly for the Latinx community. And, um, you know, so our children's ministry was combined. And I had a student that came to me, I mean, bawling one day about, you know, them trying to work on his dad's papers. His dad had been here for 25 years and just all of that. So I, and over the years just working in children's ministry, I, I had um, come in contact with students who were dreamers and their stories. And you know, just all these different things. And so there was a level already of compassion that I already had that didn't fit what I was seeing in the paper and seeing on the news that I knew there was a different story. But, I, you know, this, this um, particular crisis that was happening was a little different. And I wanted to see for myself so that I could be, I would be able to communicate back to my community more of the truth.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I heard both of you kind of mention a similar theme. I know I've for sure heard you say this specifically, Brie, of that the level of suffering you saw really was mm-hmm. just shocking. Could you, could one of you paint a picture for us? I mean, of just an example of, you know, again, th- those of us who literally live with our blinders on and don't even know what you mean when you say suffering. Could you paint any kind of picture for us on that?
1: Latasha, well, you want me to do that or you? Yeah. Oh, well, I can, I can share. And then, you know, I'm cool with sharing. I think one of the things that I wasn't expecting to see was how their gut, the government in Mexico is, you know, they're doing a lot, but how understanding the history behind why this is happening, I think important. And I think that's the thing that we always detach from here in America is we detach from the context. From contextualizing the history, this a part of the suffering or part of the present. You know, uh, we we detach that from the story, and I think understanding that helped me see okay why this crisis is happening. You know, in Latin America and what's happening, what has happened over these last few decades to create this crisis, and I was surprised to see that. The Mexican government, you know, were doing things like, the, you know, they these were we visited a, a Catholic church that, you know, they were, you know, trying to help as best that they could in the means that they had some of the families that were coming through. And then the other thing was all of the families, their destination isn't isn't necessarily America. Their destination is safety and security. And so that they can live and breathe. And you know what I'm saying? And so and raise their children. And so some of the destinations are to America because they have relatives that are already here or a parent that is already here. But some of them is just, hey, we want a safe place where we can get a job and our children can go to school. And so if that if that's in the United States, if that's in Canada, if that's in Mexico or wherever that is, I will go there, you know? Um, and so that was surprising to me that everyone's destination wasn't America. And the, I think the other thing was to see, I didn't expect to see, and I was, I think I was being naive because I knew that there were children involved, but I didn't expect to see so many children, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, impacted mm-hmm. by that and that I'm just saying if you can look at that and it not grip your heart something's wrong with your heart mm-hmm. you know like that to me to see these children and it's a different culture so we can't look at things through our cultural lens you mm-hmm. know we we you know we can't look at this through our american cultural lens are you know that was just tough to see so many children and so many children that are traveling you know with other children are traveling with their you know without their parents i mean little children i mean you know seeing understanding what they're fleeing because seeing little girls with little babies mm-hmm. you know that are not their siblings you know that right there like no Ten year old, eleven year old child asked for that. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like you understand what some of these children are fleeing, and for and to not have compassion on the other side of that, to not to paint a picture of an, an entire group and generalize an entire group is just wrong. And so I think that was the thing that I wasn't prepared for was the children that um, that that are the greatest group that are victims. suffering
2: the, yeah, yeah the victims yeah I I also would just second that too I mean I felt like I was not prepared to encounter the level of innocence that was being shattered mm. um, due to the violence in during the journey and I you know, we we got to visit a, a shelter of unaccompanied minors who had either been separated from their parents or who had along the journey or had left on their own during the journey. And I think the statistic is about 80 to 90% of women and girls who make this journey up through Mexico experience sexual abuse or violence towards them along the way. Mm. And we had met a young girl who was as young as eleven, who was rooming with a fifteen year old in this shelter, and each one of them had a baby. wow. and and like Latasha was saying, as no child chooses that. And that was violence that was done against them, and they're in a shelter unaccompanied, meaning they're without their parents. And so you have the level of trauma towards children that's happening was crushing, was crushing. And you, and there's questions that come up from that. You know, people want to know, well, where are the parents or what parent would send their child or, or whatnot? And I think the question that comes up for me as a mother is, in what situation would I find myself in that sending my child by herself or with a, a 10-year-old neighbor or something like that, in what situation would I have to be in that that would be a better option than having her stay with me? And when you start to try and paradigm shift like that in your own mind so that you can try and relate and have empathy and compassion, you really start to break down. It's really humbling and it's incredibly heartbreaking.
0: Wow. I'm just, I'm personally fighting back tears over here as I listen because, you know, I've got three kids, two of which are daughters and two of which are right in that age range of what you just talked about. And to think about my children, like you said, ha, you know, having to go through that and then me as a mother making those hard choices for them is absolutely heartbreaking. And so I'm curious, Bree, maybe you can answer this one, um, that, you know, some people say that evangelicals as a whole appear to side with safe borders over biblical calls for compassion and justice, especially for those that we're talking about, the most vulnerable children.
2: Why do you think that's the case? I think we've lost a lot of nuance in these complicated Issues and there's nuance to be had. It, it is not a black and white issue. And I think many people have decided that they need to choose a side instead of decided that they need to show up in some way, as the Bible would have yeah. us do. And so, you know, at Welcome, our position is that we can have a safe country and we can have a compassionate country, and that these things are not mutually exclusive concepts. And that if we really want to be the people of God, we've got to evaluate, are our laws not only safe for our people, but are they safe for other people? And and really, who are our people? As mm-hmm. the people of God, It's we have been othering people for a while now. That's just a part of our history as Americans. We have othered people and we have made people less valuable than ourselves. And I think this this whole issue is wrapped up in that as well. And so it's those people over there, that their problems and whatnot. We don't, we don't want to enter into that. And yet we are supposed to be kingdom minded and we are supposed to recognize the Imago Dei in every individual, every human being. And so our laws can keep, should keep us safe. It should also keep other people safe um, because we should have care and concern for them as well. So I think what's missing is I think the nuance is missing and it and it's there if you want to if you want to engage, it's there,
0: yeah, I love how you just said I've never heard anybody say that before we are we other people that I like that phrase. What's the opposite of
2: othering people, accepting them seeing them as equal mm, um, yeah. seeing Equally. them as image bearers that are made in the image of God, regardless of age, race, political affiliation, opinion, status. <laughs> Location. I mean, we yeah. we do a very good job of othering people, and we've had our our culture, our country has had a history of othering people. I mean, from the moment we showed up on the shores of America, yeah. we we didn't identify with other peoples with other people in an equal way. We we elevated ourselves to a certain status, and so I, I'm not trying to get into all of that. What I am saying is though is that this issue and many issues that really ache that our country still has an ache about have something to do with othering people and the lord isn't having any of that mm. you know we are we we do belong to each other and the fact that every single one of us is made in the image of god and because that is true we are to enter into care and concern and have compassion for those who don't have the same privileges that we do, and so, you know, as we constantly talk about, okay, well, I got to do what's best for me. I got to do what's best for my family. I got to have healthy boundaries. I've got to all of these things. Yes, but where, where in the Bible does it say that you are to sit back and watch the suffering suffer? Yeah. Um, we yeah. are. We are to enter into those hard and complex spaces with courage. And it doesn't mean we have to enter in with all the answers. I still don't have all the answers. I really don't. But that doesn't mean that I don't take brave steps towards something that I have compassion for because I feel compelled by the Holy Spirit. When you start to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do about this issue? What do you want me to know? And you you just open yourself up to the Holy Spirit talking to you about some things. He's going to take you some places that are going to be uncomfortable but that he's already there. So you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Just take one step forward. You don't have to swallow the whole issue. I don't think anyone's asking for that, but I think what people are asking for is for compassion and for um, a desire to understand and to learn and to love well, to love well. We're the people of God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be loving well. And I'm not sure that we're doing that
0: (laughs) right now. Yeah, I agree on so many fronts. You know, one thing I love that you said is that you don't have all the answers, and that is really my heart behind this show, but even just bringing you both on here to talk about this is really raising awareness. I know even just for myself, I confess, as I've looked more into uh, the documentary and, and read up on things and now talking with you all today, is like the first step that God needed to do was first take off my blindfold, you know, and be like, right. here's a problem. Let's step one, you know, which I hope is the first thing, because obviously on a little 30 minute show, we're not going to delve into every little detail and every nook and cranny and answer all the questions, but we can at least bring awareness. And then my question to you, and you already started to hit on this, but is there any other practical tips that you could encourage people that they can move from this point of seeing, so their blindfolds off, into a doing position?
1: One of the, one of the things I would say I think is really helpful, and this is something that you know I do with my faith because we are. Ambassadors of Christ. And so remembering that that the American system, the world systems is different from the kingdom of God system. So we are to have a kingdom mentality. And so rather than an empire mentality. And so that's different. And we have to understand the things that are are just are sometimes not legal, and the things that are legal are sometimes not just. And so I think when my approach, when we're looking at different things, you know, we always want to we'll say, well, this is illegal. But the thing is things may be illegal, but are they are they just? are they fair? Are they keeping? are they counting the least of these? You know what I'm saying those are the things that should govern. Our lives. And so I always, the litmus test, you know, always for me too is to look back at the things that at one point that were legal in society, that now we look back and say those things were not just, you know? Mm. And so, and if we look at, you know, this is, you know, a big broad comparison, but if we look at the Holocaust, the Holocaust was legal at one point. You know, um, slavery was legal in and in instituted in this country. Jim Crow, segregation, all those things were legal and instituted in this um, country. Um, The Chinese Exclusion Act was legal and instituted in this country. The Japanese internment camps was legal and instituted in this country. But as a Christian, we must ask ourselves, is this just? And we have to make sure that we're not aligning our faith with our political views, you know, where our faith needs to shape our political views. But what we do is we allow our political views to shape our faith. Mm. And we will distort scripture and turn scripture around to say it's okay. And we've done that with every atrocity that has happened, not just in America, but globally. We've done it with The genocide of the Native Americans. We've done it with slavery. It was done with the Holocaust. You know, some of the biggest supporters of Hitler at first were Christians. And at some point we have to ask ourselves, why are Christians in line with with things that are, when it represents destroying image bearers? You, You know, because not one group of people Represents the totality of who God is. You know, God is at work in every ethnicity, in every country, in every culture. And so, God is at work and present in Mexico, in El Salvador. Those are His people, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so we have to look. And so, the fact that we can look at that and disconnect that, we have to, we've ingested something. That we really have to begin to dig up, and I think we have to. It takes um, being honest with ourselves and acknowledging some of the biases that are driving our ideology and the lens lens that we are looking through. And the, the only way that that can change is we have to be honest with ourselves and admit, like you know, being aware, like, okay, I'm attaching this to a group of people. Why am I doing that? Why am I thinking that this way about this group of people automatically? Why am I not seeing them through my God lens, you know? And I think that's the that's the way we begin to kind of shift and change.
2: Well, and to even just add to that, and just to more tangibly answer your question there, Rachel is, you know, Shane Claiborne is an author, and he he wrote. It's I'm I'm convinced that it's not that Christians don't care about the poor. It's that Christians don't know the poor. Mm. And I thought that was such a huge thing for him to say because I think it's really true. It's very easy for us Christians to pull out our checkbooks, to attend the fancy gala that makes us feel really good about our involvement in whatever it is that we're doing to support whatever vulnerable populations in our city or our community or whatever that is. But what they really need is they need people to show up and enter into these messy places and get their hands dirty. Yes, they need your checks, but they also, they need your presence. Mm -hmm. They, they, to get to close in proximity to pain will change you. And no one really likes to do that because we have gotten very comfortable in the American church and we've put up quote, healthy boundaries. And this is going to be what works for me. And this is what keeps me and my kids safe and, and this, that, and the list goes on. And it's all wrapped up in being comfortable And usually what that means is, is that you're combating some type of fear. You're trying to really insulate yourself because something is making you be fearful about about something. And I think the church is trying to insulate themselves into this comfortable spot. And what it's doing is it is completely disconnecting us from very vulnerable people who need us to enter in and understand What is really affecting them? So when you say, what can people tangibly do? You know, of course, I'm thinking like you can advocate, you can call your elected officials. You might not know what to say, but you can say, I'm very concerned about the vulnerable people who are at the border. I'm not sure what to do about it, but I would love for you guys to come up with humane laws that allow people to come in legally and to be vetted properly but that don't keep them for months on end in dangerous border towns. Mm And I mean, so you can, there's things like that that'll rise up in me, but it also is an intentionality to get outside of your comfort zone and get involved in getting to know people that are not in your space, Mm -hmm. that are not Mm -hmm. in your comfort zone. Them and to say, you know what, I'm gonna enter into the other side of town. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a call and see how I could volunteer one or two hours a week. I mean, because until you know, like like that mm. author said, until you know people's people individually and you start to hear their story, you're never gonna know, know how policies are affecting their everyday lives. You're all they're always gonna be othered in some way. And because of your privilege, you are not gonna be able to see how they are truly suffering because of maybe what you could be ignorantly perpetuating because of your privilege and what Latasha said of your blind spots. What people can do is I think that they can start to really be intentional about getting involved in certain aspects in their own community or, or nationally, whatever that may be, wherever they're connected, about getting involved in places and with people that they would not maybe circulate with. And maybe that they wouldn't know as well. I mean, if you, I, I once spoke with a pastor who said, I, I, I love your documentary. I think it's really great. It doesn't focus on politics, it's all about people. And that's what we need to do. But we really don't have any immigrants in my city. And mm-hmm. I said, I said, oh, I said, you know what? What part of town do you live on? And we started to talk about his, where, what part of town he lived in and what his congregational makeup was. And when I said, I bet you on the south side of town, there's probably a good, population of people that you've never met before. And I would encourage you to Google immigrant services or refugee services in your town or in your county. And then you'll start to meet people who are really working on the front lines and, on, mm. and really on the ground with people that you've maybe never, ever knew that were hiding in the shadows. And so mm. I, at the end of the day, I mean, no one is advocating for illegal immigration. No one is advocating for for just lax, uh, policy on letting anybody into the country. I mean, I think what people really need to understand is, is that we have the most thorough vetting process in the entire planet. We really do. And so the vetting is happening and it's outstanding. It's unmatched, right? The, the problem is, is that we are, we are clamping down on policies That would make it harder and harder for legal immigration to happen and legal asylum cases to be heard and processed in an effective manner. And so we're putting already vulnerable people in extreme dangerous situations, and it's causing people to die. It's causing people to suffer unimaginable suffering. And we could be entering in to learn more and to seek more and ask more questions that put us in a position to really love people well in personally and through policy. And that's really what welcome, the organization welcome is all about is finding a community of Christian women who just want to understand what is Christ-like welcome, what does the Bible say about immigrants and refugees and what we're supposed to do with that? And how do how do we move forward in a Christ-like way to be welcoming as Christ would be welcoming to us?
0: Wow. You're both full of so much wisdom. I am just sitting back over here yes. taking notes. I'm like, all right, we're just going to take notes. You two, can, you two can take over the show today. This has been so good. Um, Bree, thank you yeah. for those practical tips. Do you think that maybe you can maybe send over some links that we could drop in the show notes so people have no excuse as to where to find their local, you know, like you said, the local and then the regional and, you know, wherever else they would want to reach out. Are there some links that we could share with the people?
2: Absolutely, okay,
0: absolutely. yeah, so for you, the,
1: I think oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and I think there's a a guide, like a um, discussion yes. guide that um, goes along with the videos that I think will be helpful, and there's resources for people within that too.
2: Perfect. yeah, so the the documentary does have two different study guides that go with them. One is for a small group setting, and so the the documentary is broken up into seven episodes. They're about four to five minutes each, so they're very easy to digest. So you have a seven-week Bible study that's really plug-and-play, or you can watch it as a large church group setting, and then there's a discussion guide to facilitate that kind of film watching in your church, and it's about a 40-minute-long documentary there. So we'll get all of that in the show notes for you, but uh, yes, there's definitely resources there, and there's also a how-to-help guide that's in those guides, too, so... Perfect. Yeah. And, you know,
0: Latasha, one of the things I wrote down that you said earlier when you were talking is um, I I put this as a note to myself and I want to speak it out loud for the rest of the listeners to hear as well. Mm -hmm. Help me see people through my God lens. Isn't that powerful? I mean, if really, if we all did that every day, (laughs) if we walked outside of our house, like, Lord, give me eyes to see your people like through your lenses, not through mine, Mm -hmm. not as a human being, not as a selfish, you know, person who's all worried about me, me, me and all the things I have to do today but just give me eyes to see people the way you do. And wouldn't that just totally change our world? And then especially
1: it was, uh, yeah. it was a lot yeah. of
0: problems. <laughs> yeah, So that was so good. I just wanted to repeat that out loud. So I'm like, okay, I hope I hope everybody else caught that. Oh, man, this has been so good. Okay, so you already kind of started talking about the, the online resources, they can watch the documentary and the guides, where can they find all of that stuff?
2: So there's a couple places that you can find it. The one main source where all of the resources live is at welcomingimmigrants.org. And that's Welcome's website right now. And then really, we would invite you to be involved in our online communities. We've got a, a pretty big community on Facebook, and you can find that at Welcome or a kind of our smaller private group where you're if you're really wanting to engage and understand more, there's a private group called Welcome Women on Facebook. And then we just recently launched over on Instagram, so you can follow us on Instagram too. But we really spent a lot of time in our online communities really um, asking each other questions and going through studies together and really trying to be biblical in our perspective. We are a nonpartisan, collaborative group of women who really, truly want to understand what is like welcome? What does his welcome look like to us? And so therefore, what should our welcome look like to other people? And we don't have to sacrifice safety for compassion and we don't have to overdo compassion to sacrifice safety. I mean, it's these, like I said, there is nuance on these things. And so in the welcome community, we just want to encourage a biblical worldview on this issue and help women go on a journey to really love, love others well. Yeah, yeah,
0: and you know, I would say to those of you listening who this just struck something in you, and that's probably the Holy Spirit awakening you in this area. I would definitely say please go get involved in those communities. And again, those will be in the show note link. So if you're driving or whatever, don't worry about writing stuff down. But I say this because, as I said a second ago, we we scraped the surface of this today. I know a lot of you probably still have a lot of questions, and oh my goodness, I wish you would have followed up on that, and and I wish they could go into detail on this. And I think that 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 community in the online space definitely will help answer some of those burning questions that you have in your heart. Yes. Yeah. So ladies, thank you again for taking the time to come on. Is there anything, any final words you'd like to say before we hop off here for today?
1: I I would just tell people to not let fear or discomfort paralyze them. Really lean into just the example that Jesus said, because Jesus never sought um, comfort or, you know, or safety. You know, and so if we want to be that type of image bearer, I think, you know, we have to, in order to meet people who are not like us and to do this work of, you know, of being a good neighbor, that is going to require us to get out of our comfort zones and do some things different.
0: Awesome.
2: Yes. All right. I second that.
0: Yay. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on. Again, all of the links to all the things will be in the show notes. So definitely check that out today. We'll talk to y'all later. As I listened back to the conversation that I had with Bree and Tasha, I was moved to tears. I really love how God's allowing space for us to have these hard conversations. I also loved how they challenged us to view others through our God lens. I highly encourage you to pick up a copy of Latasha's book, And check out the resources that are on WelcomingImmigrants.org. All right, friends, that's all that we have for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.